Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, and we have with us today Chris C. He is the founding director at Cardstock Project. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. And nice to be here. So why don't you start us off with giving us an overview of the Cardstock Project? Yeah, the Cardstock Project started out as an open source project imagining a future where uh, uh, software can work together for a person and not requiring you to... Uh, bend yourself into different silos, different tabs in your browser, different apps on your icon. You are one person. We want to create that very broad assembly and the capability for you to mix and match the stuff. Uh, and the way, the reason we call it card is because, you know, little pieces of card in your wallet or in your drawers, uh, you own and you can kind of mix them and create whatever collage you want. We like that uh, in physical goods, but in digital stuff, it's really hard to do it. Uh, sometimes we do it through embed codes and embedding things in your blog. I mean, it doesn't really completely have that joy of shuffling things around in the physical thing. And we want to create a, a, a version of that for text. So it's as tactile as, as movable as a, physical card, but uh, with the software and the digital artifacts that we create in our lives. And that's how this project got started. Wow. Uh, just the organization alone, I think, is going to be very helpful. Uh, give us a little bit of background from your side. Give us a little bit of your personal mm-hmm. background. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a actually a technologist uh, by training. So I, I study computer science at Columbia University. Uh, and one of the things that uh, is actually pretty amazing about uh, going to a, a, a school, an engineering school within a larger university, is I really kind of understood the context of technology within society. Uh, you know, Columbia is an Ivy League quote-unquote university, uh, but it's also have a huge focus on humanities and like, you know, understanding where, you know, how human systems involved. And technology being part of that is always been a big part of my uh, formal education, but also my interest since I graduated, worked on project that is blending between technology and the human interface, the technology and, and data that in, empowers people without, you know, leaking data and privacy issues. So those have been my focus, whether that's in the media space or now in the, in the, in the space of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, it's all around how technology that I know, the tools that I've studied and the people I work with can, can come together to help organize a better way for us to interact Interact. And, and that's been kind of my passion, that, that intersection, as Steve Jobs said, intersection of technology and humanities is something that I've actually spent my entire career on. And it's something that I feel is becoming more and more mainstream, but we still have, a, have quite a ways to go for it to be a seamless interaction between technology and humans. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's a couple of reasons for it. One is that uh, while there are human factors uh, engineering or design or user experience, uh, there's a, uh, especially in the last 10 years with the growth of the digital uh, platforms like Facebook, uh, we see a lot more uh, technology-led innovation where technologists in Silicon Valley speaking a coherent but somewhat monocultural language about you know technology being this utopian vision forgets sometimes about the, the the fact that tools are not neutral, they might encourage certain behavior and discourage certain other ones. And, and, and it's showing it's 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 uh, what happens if you just look at technology almost in isolation with 
all of human history and civilization, how it developed and how human system has both formed and deformed. Uh, and, and I think it now is starting to say, oh, wait, if we just do technology without considering all the other things, things like Cambridge Analytica will happen. Uh, and I think we are starting to see uh, not quite a backlash, but certainly an appreciation uh, of, the, of, of the richer uh, set of uh, problems that, that, that the humanities bring to technology. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see more people being invited to help define the future technology that are not just, oh, I, I, I learned how to code, uh, but certainly that I know <laughs> how you know, human factors and human natures are un unlikely going to change um, those are the facts. How can we use technology to enhance and not necessarily uh, replace or disintermediate? Absolutely. So where do you feel like the biggest challenges are in this industry? And where do you, where, what part are you really excited about the industry moving forward? And where do you think it's going to be most helpful? Yeah, I, I think what's been clear is that the in tech today, especially if in the West Coast, Silicon Valley, Seattle, Amazon, the FAMGA, the Facebook, Amazon of the world, there's no lack of capital. Uh, you can, mm. there's literally money to do space exploration out of the profit of e-commerce, right? At Jeff Bezos once said and saying, what should I use this well for, right? Let's go explore space. Uh, but there's a lot of things on earth that we need to work on. And I think those capital can be deployed uh, to really solve real problems, not just in a let's donate to a nonprofit foundation, but actually using technology as a lever to actually solve these problems better than before, better than just kind of raw uh, resources of a philanthropic donation. What can we use the uh, powerful tools we have if we can appreciate the knowledge. So I think what's really exciting about technology uh, is that all the basic building blocks of technology that used to be magic and hard is now commonly available. More importantly, they're available in open source. Even if you work for Facebook and you're helping to build uh, this front page we call Newsfeed, uh, a lot of the tools necessary to build the Newsfeed has actually been open sourced by Facebook. A lot of the search utility and data science and machine learning has been open sourced with Google. And that stuff is now scattered. I mean, it's great tools for people to learn how to do AI, how to do distributed system, but they're not reformed in any way. They're just kind of artifacts of this rich empire that's being built in Silicon Valley. But imagine if there's another way for a new group of people, maybe the same group of people organized around the possibility of technology, but also the understanding of where we want humanity to go with technology being a lever, not necessarily a limiting factor, to repackage and reuse these amazing open source tools that has been kind of a, a side effect of the growth of the digital superpower and organize something different. Now, not necessarily better. We don't know if it's better. Only history can tell. And that's where I think we are. I'm, I'm really excited about that. And that's really what brought me into the world of decentralization. So if we consider centralization as let's build a beautiful website, it's easy to access, facebook.com, every day you go, very centralized, but very efficient and very user-friendly. And it has uh, the power of platform effects and network effects and data informing uh, a lot of stuff. But imagine that we can decentralize that and have multiple vertical community of different interests, not just one giant community. And, and, and we're already seeing those forms in website powered by WordPress and community on chat groups on whether it's in Telegram or on Slack. Those are the more organic organization of people. Uh, they, they seem a lot less monolithic and monoculture than Facebook, but they are built on the same open source tool. So I think this idea of taking that basic substrate of the innovation that we have done in the last five, 10 years and repackaging it around some new exploration and new uh, diversity of opinion is really possible now. Uh, and that's really excites me most about technology. I mean, absolutely. And you've, you've crossed in so many 
so many things that I think ring true uh, with, with across the board with these different technologies. Uh, the limitations of humans and technology when they work together and, and when we, we take the care to know exactly what we're doing, there are no more limitations. You know, the, the, there's, there's, no, there's no end to, to the good that we can do by working together in this way. And, and I love open source. I'm a huge fan of open source because it's so conglomerative. It's so, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're, you're pulling upon people who are passionate enough to work on something that's open source and yeah. share their ideas. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I think with open source, what is clear is that, you know, when people ask, like, what's the open source business model, most people who contribute to open source is like, nah, I don't really know, because either they get paid uh, on the day job and they do it on the side, or their day job actually pays for them to contribute because it has that return on investment uh, for the company to do that. But I think what's interesting about open source is that regardless of how that work was funded, right? Uh, the work, once it's done, becomes a common good, right? It doesn't matter how it came to be, but once it's in being, anybody from around the world can use that as a starting point of, one, learning, two, uh, a quick acceleration of what they're trying to build, so building parts, uh, building hosts from parts instead of from scratch. And then finally, uh, the idea that every single open source project you put together, you, you're bringing communities together. And, and that's the really uh, amazing thing, even though it's happening on one website called GitHub or a couple of other uh, variants of it, uh, the, the, the human structure and that kind of knowledge sharing, it's really unlike anything else we've seen. Uh, uh, the web is still very much uh, uh, you know, publishing, but open source is publishing and using and remixing in that way that we thought Web 2.0 will bring. It's actually happening, but within a smaller community of developers who understand how to use GitHub and Git and stuff like that. But imagine that basic human network and structure can be spread a little bit broader than just people who know how to code. Uh, uh, but there's something about the open source ethos, the open web idea implemented through this collaborative creation uh, that I, I think if we can you know, find a business model for it or find a way to sustain it uh, beyond just uh, the, the current model we have today, it could be what will allow us to build better things than what the Silicon Valley Supergiants has built before. And giving us, and giving us that, that open door to do so, because a lot of times when there are these big powerhouses, people, people feel as if, you know, why try because they're already so far ahead or you know, this is going to be wasted yeah. effort because we'll just get squashed. But really, when you bring together a community of, of knowledge, really, you're not separating yourselves from anything. You are just growing something that is naturally yeah. going to flourish. Absolutely. And I think the idea, again, this may be a little kitschy, but, you know, open source is like a community garden, right? Things get, you know, mm-hmm. you bring your seeds, you bring your thing and you cultivate. Sometimes you cultivate other people's stuff when they're on vacation, uh, and, and, but the whole things grow. And, and the idea is that at the end of the day, when this community garden grows and grows, you don't even know what is going to be outcome. It's not a central plan office. It's not Mark Zuckerberg's backyard, right? It's not curated. It's really just, you know, uh, diverse ideas and then it becomes what it becomes. And that's the really interesting part about technology, right? We think technology right now as either a chat stream or a news feed or search page or homepage or grid of icons on your phone. That seems pretty restricting as a medium or mode given these uber powerful technology or supercomputer in your pockets, all we can get is this four modality. And I think open source uh, and this community spirit working together, uh, we're going to create some weird stuff <laughs> that, that hopefully <laughs> become quirky. But you know, when, when they, they catch on, they really do catch on. Uh, and, and that's why I think uh, the, 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 the experimentation outside of Silicon Valley uh, 
enabled by the open source substrate and the motivation for something different. Uh, it's really what's powering right now, uh, not quite the mass market of, of tech, but certainly fringe market that is becoming really, really interesting. And, and we really keep an eye on, on what people are inventing with the technology that we I love your garden analogy because that is so true. You can plant the seeds and you can do everything right but you're still going to have cross-pollination where all of a sudden yeah. new plants are being formed. <laughs> and and before. <laughs> exactly, yep, yep. exactly. And that is, it's, yep. it's such, you know, it's, it's like life will find a way. And technology, yep. when, when a lot of good minds come together, different things are going to sprout just simply because of the creative ability and flexibility of everything. And it's also connecting across cultures, across nations, because Silicon Valley, you know, it's this big mecca of, of everything, but there's so many people around the world who are not geographically in Silicon Valley that, that maybe feel like they're on the outside. But, you know, with this open source mm -hmm. and with technology in general, it doesn't matter where you are or who you are or if you have a disability or anything. It's all about your, yeah. your, knowledge, your knowledge center. Yes, and and I think you know the the idea that Silicon Valley is a place uh, uh, is obviously uh, true, right? Because Silicon Valley people have been trying to create a Silicon Perry or Silicon, you know, Beach. <laughs> or, or, there's a lot of Silicon something, uh, uh, and it's around this idea, the ethos of a, a innovation community. But I think the 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 open source community is the next Silicon Valley, right? Because it yes. really has no geographic boundaries. Uh, uh, people uh, make pull requests uh, when they just learn about a project two weeks ago and dig in and wrote the documentation because they ran into trouble trying to get the thing running. So they wrote a blog post that became the definitive blog post for beginners to learn how to use the tool. And that tool took off because of that. That literally happened the last three minutes we spoke. Right, like that. Mm -hmm. what, whatever I just described, that effect, that international collaboration, is so prevalent that it's not worth talking about. But we back off a second and say, wait, that just happened thousands of times. You know, how is that the most? Ex how is that not the most amazing human collaborative effort ever? Wikipedia ends up with one truth, right? It's either one page and then you edit it and you revert it and whatever, and it converges. Open source, it's about forking. It's about many truths, mixing and matching more and more versions. If you don't like it, make your own version. It's much more divergent thinking, even though there is pockets. Oh, this is a well-known open source project. A lot of people contributing, a lot of stars, a lot of forks, and then the community forms around that. But the basic operation is not the need for convergence, which is what Wikipedia, which more people real, uh, kind of classify as the greatest the kind of collaborative human endeavor ever. But I actually think the open source software ecosystem, it's, a, it's the next one. It's even more interesting than a single wiki truth, right? Uh, and, and, and that's the part that I feel that people outside technology don't get because the, 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 the ability to understand the open source movement requires first you understand code. And that just eliminates 98% of the people because that's so intimidating. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you look at the human structure beyond the git digest and gist and, and check-ins and commits and forks and pull requests, all this jargon, you look at there's a bunch of people working together, making new versions and coming together when they come to, into consensus that this should be done and someone can bless it and it becomes distributed and, and, and widely and it becomes a fixing problem in days instead of weeks and months and greater than any centralized organization within a corporate campus. And and then also having people with corporate campus participate as well. That is amazing. And that story needs to be told more. Absolutely. And I don't know really why, why do you think some people are, are not against, but maybe 
not as open to open source? Uh, I think it's because if you walk up and down Silicon Valley or Sand Hill Row and you say, I want to do an open source startup, they always look at you and say, well, that's not a really great business to be in, right? You know, everybody can make your the thing you make and make another version. You don't have a moat. You can't have platform power. There's no recurring revenue. Support revenues are small. You should build a cloud software, software as a service. That's the big playbook in Silicon Valley, right? Uh, whether you pay for it with your attention like an advertising support platform or a subscription like Salesforce.com. And that <laughs> the weird trade-off is that all these companies who are like, oh, okay, great. A better business model is to do a SaaS service. They end up using a lot of open source software. They're harvesting all these amazing international efforts. Oh, someone made a new uh, plugin to make Linux more efficient this way. Let me, let me use it, and they might contribute back. But Gmail.com, Salesforce.com is not open source. So it's it's extractive, right? So you you tap into all this energy, and they repackage it in these polished product. And that product is only usable if you pay rent every month or paid rent with your attention, correct? Mm -hmm. That's kind of the reason why open source kind of fell out of favor because if you are an open source lover, you will actually be ostracized from the kind of more, uh, 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 you know, why wouldn't you just a SaaS startup or do a cloud company? You can then capture data, capture, create mode, and, 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 that, and that creates a culture where open source is something to be tapped into and extracted for your benefit of your proprietary software code base and company, and that becomes accepted. And if you look at it from the outside, it says, well, open source is if you don't really know what you're doing, you don't understand why that would benefit your company. But you, you know, you know, if you need to say, we support open source and get more developers to join you full time to work on open source and proprietary code, you use that as like a virtual signaling as a company. Says, oh yeah, we like open source and we like diversity and we have unlimited vacation. It's all part of that HR message. Uh, but mm -hmm. I, I think that there needs to be a greater uh, 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 emphasis on, you know, going back to the garden analogy on open source sustainability. Community gardens are great, but is it sustainable? Would it actually keep growing? Is there enough money to buy fertilizers and soil and get it aerated? And are people going to clean up and do the work that nobody wants to do? Like there are a lot of questions about the open source business model uh, beyond what has been accepted and, and rejected in the, in the Silicon Valley funding model, which gave us the tech world we have today. Uh, but I think what's interesting about open source is that it can have a sustainable model, the same way a community garden can have that type of uh, mutual collaboration, and, and not just in spirit, but also like it makes sense. And you can actually you know, have an accountant say, yeah, that's going to work in about 10 years. Uh, and a lot of it is allowing people to make money without necessarily closing off the open source, that I can run something in open source, knowing that uh, uh, that that I can get paid for that, even though all my source code is open source. A good example of that uh, is in the WordPress ecosystem, where you have a mix of open source and not open source stuff. But most people tend to contribute back because their their ability to to charge money for a consulting project, their ability to host it for other people, do are not influenced by the ability to share in that foundation, uh, mm. a foundational work. So there are models that that work. We just have to focus more on that and convince the business people that open source is not only a sound way of organizing people and work, but also a sound business model is sustainable going forward. Absolutely. And you're just a wealth of information and it's been it's been such a pleasure to to feel your passion about this and and I feel very empowered Thank now you. about it as well. 
That's great. And, and you know, to me, open source is certainly uh, uh, an, an open web. This idea of human collaboration is so much a part of what I'm trying, I've been trying to do since the very beginning of my career. And, and I was a little bit uh, uh, discouraged uh, when we went away from the open web and RSS feeds and all these kind of very much more uh, uh, kind of collaborative system to a single website like Facebook and, and Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm seeing sensing that uh, 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 kind of swing, the pendulum swing. And I think the other th- the, the thing that get, got me excited again about possibly finding that sustainability of open source is in the kind of uh, cryptocurrency ecosystem. Them because open source is missing two things. How do we pay people internationally? And three, how do you incentivize people to participate and get them the ability to either do well or just continue doing the work, pay their rent, right? And I think what happened in, in, in Bitcoin and Ether and cryptocurrency is that there's this really far and almost unrelated thing that emerged in the tech field, uh, which created some software called blockchain, but you know, even you don't know what it is. But there are people are start thinking about software interaction between software as something that has an economic value being flowed through it versus using software for free on Facebook and then you know worry about the economic value later. So I think the marriage of the human system emerging from that incentive uh, currency, digital currency driven incentive uh, in the crypto space and the human sharing of tools and knowledge in the open source pledge is starting to come together in a very interesting way. That two sphere, that two ecosystem, it's, it's almost like two ponds that have a channel that suddenly kind of got struck between and you have these strange fishes and crabs now exchanging. I, I'm seeing those two bodies of water, open source and crypto world intersecting. And again, crypto is a lot based on open source software and open source software is also kind of starting to think about incentive structures and stuff like that. Uh, And that would, would be something to watch because the combination of those two things may create that it may solve that riddle of how do you make it sustainable? Maybe the sustainability comes from the economic value being created and tracked and, and, and allocated and compensated because you did something, someone used it, they made some money or they got some client and you got something in the kind of, whether it's token or cryptocurrency. We're starting to see that and that may change the game. It may give open source software the second rebirth it needs to not only become a substrate of the tech world, but actually becomes a thing that you see and appreciate uh, that you go to a community garden, it's not just like, oh, it's a garden. It's like, oh, I know this is a community garden. The fact that is there's a sustainable ecosystem sustaining it and a business model to allow people to work within it, uh, that is going to create that alternative to the to the single company, single stock symbol on NASDAQ version of tech that we have seen. Uh, and I cannot wait to see what that will turn out to be. Me either. That is, that is going to be an exciting time. So, Chris, what is the best way for people to to you know, get in contact with you um, to learn more about Cardstack Project. You know, tell me a little bit about how people can connect. Sure. Um, you know, obviously, most of the material that we uh, I've, 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 I've worked with my team on is available on Cardstack.com. Uh, we have software for developers to play with our basic runtime, which allows people to run Cardstack as a as their own personal hub, a data hub, and the interaction hub, and they can connect to each other and stuff like that. So it's a much more uh, human centric model where all the cards and all the plugins and all the data that you have in your digital life converge on you. You own that almost like your WordPress block, your server, and then you can interact with it as a single person all cohesively through the idea of card 
web-based user interface. That, inf that uh, software is available for developers. Uh, but I think, you know, in the theme of what we've discussed today, I wrote a vision paper about a year ago. Uh, it's almost exactly uh, maybe nine months ago that detail a lot of mo the argument of why we will move from the centralized vertical silos of Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft, and Google, and Apple, FAMGA, to this kind of more collaborative but sustainable model. So I invite people to go to costack.com slash vision uh, and read something. There's no diagram. There's no marketing thing. There's no email address you have to sign up. It's just my kind of like beginning of what may be the first chapter, four chapters of a book uh, on this basic concept of why I believe this is inevitable. I think for your audience, that's probably the best place to start. And if that makes sense, then a lot of other talks and videos and interviews I've done will probably make a lot more. Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your passion about about all the things that you do. It's been a true pleasure. And it's likewise, and, and thank you so much for bringing that kind of conversations about where tech needs to go. It's not static. It's going to move, and it's going to go in directions, and let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's exchange ideas so that it's intentional, and it leads to a better world that we can shape and people can shape with the technology we build. Absolutely. That was Chris C. He's the founding director at Cardstock Project. Connect with him. Share his passion. This has been Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, both to review and discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.